0: Welcome to the TCT Podcast Episode 10. This week we've got a talk from Samira Gruber, researcher at the Fraunhofer Institute for Material and Beam Technology. In one of the most popular talks from our TCT Show 2016 conference video series, Samira gives an overview of the different metal additive manufacturing technologies at the Fraunhofer Centre for Additive Manufacturing in Dresden, Germany and compares the capabilities and limitations concerning material, part size, geometry and costs. With so many metal 3D printing technologies on the market, this talk is designed to help you make an informed decision on which process is most suitable for your application. Listen and don't forget to click subscribe for more talks on three D technologies. And as it's our last podcast of the year before the Christmas break, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.
1: My name is Samira Gruber. I'm from the Fraunhofer Institute for Material and Beam Technology in um, Dresden, and. Uh, Just a short introduction about the Fraunhofer Gesellschaft for those of you who might not know. Uh, We are a huge research organization that does applied research in Germany. We have over 66 institutes and uh, 24,000 employees. Uh, We are financed uh, 40% through industry revenues, 30% through public revenues, 30% uh, basic funding, and Dresden, which is uh, in the east of Germany, considers itself also to be the Fraunhofer capital since <clears throat> since uh, five institutes, five branches are situated there. We work closely together with the University of Technology, so uh, it's, a, it's a research hub with uh, over 1,650 employees, just uh, Fraunhofer. So when you look at the institute where I work, uh, we have... Uh, lots of different groups and we focus on laser materials processing on the one side and then surface engineering and coatings on the other side Uh, and additive manufacturing and printing was founded in 2014 when it became clear how huge the potential is for additive manufacturing and uh, we started with surface cladding, saw the potential for additive manufacturing and then started looking into other um, AM processes for Metals, especially. So we started uh, just seeing the potential, but also the research that still has to be done. And uh, I'm proud to show you my workplace. Uh, it's a center of additive manufacturing in Dresden, where we combine lots of different AM processes. And I'm also I'm already no I'm um, only talking about metals. Uh, so uh, we we concentrate on uh, selective laser melting, electron beam melting laser powder deposition, laser wire deposition, and we also have hybrid machines. And uh, what we are looking at is not only the the processes itself, but also the materials we can use, the materials that uh, can be qualified for additive manufacturing, and uh, also the systems technology to see uh, how to monitor the process in order to um, get the quality of the part that we want and try to understand the process more, try to understand uh, the mechanisms behind it, and then just improve and uh, just um, have our part in developing this technology. So first, I want to do a little motivation, uh, and I'm sure most of you in this audience already know why AM uh, has such a huge potential, but I still want to list a few things. Uh, You have complexity for free. Um, You can use letter structures you can reduce uh, assembly uh, with manufacturing everything in one step. You uh, don't require tooling, for example. You can qualify new materials uh, that are in powder form, for example, and uh, use them for new applications. You do. You can do functional integration. That means you can do uh, cooling channels that are already built in in the catch. Um, file and then produced in one step or you do a gradient where you have different densities um, in the part for example um, there's an example of a bone structure where you have um, dense structure on the outside and then a spongy structure uh, on the inside and those forms would not be possible with conventional machining and uh, give just new opportunities and applications also if you look at customized products in small batches uh, in the dental industry, for example, it's it's uh, highly evolved already to use additive manufacturing processes um, because you are flexible with the geometry and you uh, um, don't require extensive tooling like you did in the past. And uh, to just adapt the geometry uh, will just give you the same amount of work you have to do um, for your manufacturing process. So there's a huge potential for new applications. Um, and what I think, One of the biggest questions for companies that are looking into AM is, well, it's nice to know that I have all this potential, but how do I actually choose the right process? And how do I know uh, what process is right for me and my product? So uh, I want to talk about this question, and hopefully I can give you a little insight on maybe how to answer that question. And this is uh, partly what we do at uh, Fraunhofer IWS to help companies find that Way And since we have this wide range of um, different processes available in our institute, um, we have a very broad knowledge, too, of those technologies. So what I would suggest is start from the beginning. You have to identify the critical part in your portfolio that has high costs or is high risk. Um, This can be due to -to hard-to-process material or complex geometry, Uh, It can be a part that requires a lot of machining steps, uh, extensive tooling, um, or a part where you only have a small batch size um, but a very, very long engineering process. Once you have that critical part, you can start looking at the function and the specifications because mainly what AM is um, enabling you to do is concentrate on the function of the part firstly and mostly and not have all the geometrical limitations in mind. So you just look at loads, temperatures, and the design space available. And then you start the redesign process. We just had to talk about design optimization, and there's different approaches. Um, So there's lots of different ways to rethink the design process, and um, new opportunities are awaiting that are different from conventional machining. And I think a lot of design engineers are still mainly looking from the conventional machining side and are still not aware of all the possibilities that come with additive manufacturing now. So you should just think of the function and then redesign thinking of that function and use the lightweight potential that is there. Then you have to know your options. You have to know all the AM processes that are available for you in order to choose the right one. So you need to know the pros and cons. Then you choose the right process and the material you want to use based on your specifications, based on your knowledge on those processes. And then you have to do a final iteration with the design uh, phase because you still have some limitations in geometry. You still have um, limitations. It's not, um, There's not unlimited options with additive manufacturing. There's Just like any other technology, you still have some restrictions you have to um, just keep in mind. And then you can finally manufacture your part, hopefully. So I'm going to talk more about four of those steps. And, um, of course, we as Fraunhofer Institute would just walk through all of those steps, uh, steps with you together. But now, since I only have 20 minutes and <laughs> time is uh, counting, I'm just going to focus on the four. So redesign. We already had this talk uh, earlier, or just now, about topology. And uh, I also use that uh, optimization strategy um, because it's the the common to use right now. And uh, this is basically what you already heard in the last talk, so I'm not going to talk about it too much. Uh, you have the design space, you use the software that's already available, and uh, you optimize the topology, um, but you have to redesign um, what's coming out of the topology optimization, and that requires a lot of time, like um, the presenter before me just said, and then you have to validate. You have to you can do another shape optimization, and then you have the part uh, that's optimized. Another approach could be uh, just use nature and then look at bionic systems. Um, for example, the the bone uh, that has different gradients, uh, different material um, densities on the outside and on the inside. And there is lots of other optimization strategies that um, I'm not even going to cover here, but uh, what, I, what I'm trying to say is you have lots of different um, approaches and mostly or most of them were not available with conventional machining but are now a possibility when you want to use AM. So the designer has to um, just grasp all those possibilities and incorporate them into his designing process now. Know your options. Um, so what I'm going to talk about now really quickly is just what uh, in the metal additive manufacturing technologies you have and uh, what we have in our institute. So you have powder bed processes and you have direct laser deposition. Uh, with powder bed, you have um, a layer of powder that's spread, um, an energy source that selectively melts the powder. The powder bed is lowered for one layer, and you the coder spreads a new layer, and then you repeat the process until the part is built. So, uh, and you can use either laser or electron beam as the energy source, that's one approach. Um, The other approach would be to get the powder exactly into the focus of the laser or the the energy source, uh, and that would be direct laser deposition, and you can either use powder or a wire um, as a supply. So if you look at the pros and cons, For those um, processes, uh, to sum it up, (laughs) selective laser melting gives you the the best accuracy and the parts uh, complexness is is the highest compared to the other processes. Electron beam melting uh, will have a higher build rate and um, you can uh, process high performance materials because you work under a vacuum atmosphere but your lack of um, precision, um, and it's not very suitable for repairs, for example. If you think of direct laser deposition and um, laser powder or laser wire deposition, you have higher productivity, you can produce larger parts, um, but you have some geometrical restrictions. So the complexity of the part is not um, as good as powder bed processes. So what we have uh, at Fraunhofer IWS is a Renishaw AM 250 and AM 400. So uh, we can use a 200 watt laser or a 400 watt laser. Uh, we have a build chamber, uh, 250 times 250 times, or yeah, times uh, 360 millimeter square, um, cubic square, cubic, <laughs> and uh, we are processing um, challenging materials and the applications are mostly medical, aviation, or tooling. The other machine powder bed process we have is the ARCAM EBM A2X. So it's an electron beam melting machine where uh, you can preheat the powder bed up to 1,100 degrees Celsius. And this enables you to process crack-sensitive materials. Uh, And you work under a vacuum, which also gives you the opportunity to process materials that are um, that depend on purity and uh, are um, reactant. But you have some lower um, precision compared to SLM. And if you see uh, look at laser powder deposition, like I said, the powder um, is transported right into the laser beam. So uh, it's melted onto the substrate, and it's basically a welding process. So you go from welding, and it gives you a a high range of available material, much more than um, the powder bed processes. And you can actually uh, weld, or you go from welding, and now you can do 3D parts. So we evolved the process from just surface cladding or just welding into uh, printing 3D parts. And you have dense coatings uh, and a large spectrum, like I said. Instead of using a powder, you can also use a wire um, that's clean and efficient, more efficient than powder. And you have the wire in the center, and then a laser beam that's split into three laser beams, and then they are refocused in the middle. So you have uh, omnidirectional movements. And uh, lots of research in our group is done in this uh, specific topic because it's uh, more efficient and uh, gives more uh, or gives a design freedom too with the omnidirectional movements. And there's a video of uh, the high-speed sp- high observation of laser wire deposition, uh, just to give you an example how clean and uh, efficient it is. And um, so you have high build-up rates uh, and large build sizes. And one of the main advantages is you can deposition onto 3D-shaped parts, not just um, 2D-like powder bed processes. And uh, another two machines we have is hybrid laser manufacturing. So we have a laser tag and a robot system where you combine directed laser deposition and milling or drilling. And uh, so when you know all the processes, you can compare them uh, depending on, for example, the part size, the surface quality, the resolution, the wall thickness, complexity, material, and then you have to look at the part that you originally want to be manufactured and then compare the limits and capabilities of the processes and then decide. After having chosen the right process, you have to re-enter the design stage, like I said before, and you have to um, take in the geometrical limitations from the chosen process. Those conclude, include, for example, overhangs or the anisotropy and building direction, as you can see here. Um, warping is a big problem uh, with bulk, fit, bulk um, features and uh, to prevent warping you can either redesign or you uh, for example strengthen the support structure so we haven't even talked about how to design support structures but in metal am uh, that's also a very big part of the design process and uh, another example uh, how how difficult it can be to or how an example why it's not so easy to just have the cat file and then print it Uh, If you have high aspect ratios, thin walls, then you can have lots of deformation um, in the process. So you have those limitations for every process, sometimes even for different materials, and you have to know um, some design guidelines that right now lots of research institutions are working on and also companies to give you as a designer those design rules, but also, of course, experience will be a a huge part to help you uh, find... Uh, the, the right design in the end that's optimal. So in summary, um, I would say AM is not everybody's best option. There's a hype right now. Um, some say you know, it could be the solution for everything, but you ha- still have some limitations, and you have to be aware of them in order to choose the right process for you. And if you have uh, mass products uh, or mass production Um, or simple geometries, maybe AM is not the best uh, way for you. You have to redesign your part, concentrating on fulfilling the function. The function should be the central thing. And we had uh, a keynote this morning when uh, utilization was at the top, and this is basically the same thing we are talking about. So the function should be in the center, and based on that function, we then should design the part around that and just... uh, Forget about all the restrictions from conventional machining uh, that may be blocking that may block us uh, in the design process. We then have to choose a process depending on your part's uh, specifications, and we have to consider the manufacturing constraints that still exist, also with AM technology. Again, this is just the path you should follow through. If you're interested in using AM technology, you can't use an existing part with an existing geometry and just say, OK, I'm going to 3D print this, and it's going to be cost effective. Because you you can only use the full potential of AM technology uh, when you redesign the part. Thank you for the opportunity to speak here, and thank you for your attention.